Don't do it, Raj. Don't do it, Raj. If you're listening, Raj, don't do it, please. Don't do <laughs> what it. What do we think of it? Begging you. There is an unwritten rule as an Irish person, and you know that, Raj. That is, do not take that job. Joe presents House of Rugby, together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces. Hello and welcome back to House Rugby together at Bank of Ireland. I'm Greg O'Shea and I'm joined by the lovely Lindsay Peet, of course. Good morning, how are you? Good morning, how are you? Good, how was your weekend? I had a great weekend, sure I saw you at the game. We did, we watched yeah, the game together. we watched the game together. And we get stuck into that in a minute. Jason, how are you, sir? It's third wheeling it here, yeah, as usual, yeah. As always, yeah. Yeah, yeah but you're comfortable, innit? Yeah, <laughs> it's, you know, I'm used to it. It's a good position for you. No, uh, we were at the game. Did you go to the game, Jason? No, I didn't, I didn't. I didn't. I was too busy uh, watching all the other rest of the games, unfortunately. Oh, so. good stuff. Well, me and Lindsay, we didn't sit beside each other, but we were in the same section watching the Ireland-Australia game. And lucky we both didn't fall asleep, lads. What? Uh, the game was poor, wasn't it? Uh, it was flat, wasn't it? It was just flat. Really, no really flat. No. But it was 3 0, like a soccer game, until 60 minutes. And then we kind of took off when, it, when like Bundy came on and Ross yeah. came on and Craig Casey sped up the game. But what did you make of the game as a whole, Lindsay? I think we missed out on what could have been a really, really fast open game and a spectacle of rugby. And I don't know whether it was for Ireland the third game in a row and they were just flat. I can see the Australians being tentative because, I mean, they've been ebbing and flowing and peaks and troughs of good performances, poor performance, narrow losses. And I think they couldn't really afford to maybe go in with another hiding, leaving these autumn series. You know what I mean? Going into a World Cup because they're a very proud nation. So they were just, yeah, they were like two wrestlers just, Hooking each other and nothing, nothing yeah. happening really. You know what I, th- I think it was just too. It was a proper test match, but in not not in a good sense because no. they were just like cancelling each other out. Do you know what I mean? There was uh, Peter Mann. He spoke after it with Andy Farrell to the Irish media, and mm. he was like, "Yeah, it was a proper dogfight. Just everything was contested, and." What they kind of said was a good teams win ugly, and in fairness, they did. They did win ugly, like so. It is probably a good test match to have for Ireland, even though it wasn't that great for as a spectator. What yeah. do you think, Jason? Yeah, that's exactly. Agree with you, hundred percent. I think in years gone by, that's a match we probably might have lost. Mm. And I think if you look back, in particular, the first half, the defensive effort from Ireland was incredible. And you know, like the All Blacks used to do it. South Africa have done it for years. If we want to go on next year, and we're not trying to jinx anything, if we want to go on and win a World Cup, if we want to win a Six Nations, you have to win ugly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can say the referee wasn't great. Um, I think he did his best. I think it's unfair to blame Ben O'Keefe because I think the style in which Australia played, very, a lot of indiscipline. I mean, bloody neck rolls was there. They got oh, two gosh. yellow cards that they get. They could have been more. So they, drug, they dragged us down to their level. We, as I said, probably looked a bit laboured. You know, tough. We had a, a tough series. First game was against the world champions at the end of the day, you know. Yeah. Not so, sure you recover for that, do you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in two so weeks. I don't think there's like, I wouldn't, it's not something I wouldn't dwell too much in that game. I could just go, look, lads, we're three from three. It just shows you yeah. the standard we show, we we hold Ireland at now. We're kind of a little, complaining a little bit. We beat the world <laughs> champions, we beat Fiji and we beat Australia. Yeah. A clean sweep of Southern Hemisphere teams. we expected, teams. We, I was watching, everyone in the crowd just expected to win. We're like, why are we scoring loads of tries now? Why isn't this like a magic spectacle? Do you know what I mean? So that is a really good place for us to be, especially that Johnny Sexton pulled out in the warm-up. He had a little calf injury. So like a couple of months ago, if we said Johnny Sexton's going to pull out and we're playing Australia, probably going to lose. Yeah. And like we all expected to win. And what did you make of Jack Crowley getting called up into the 10 jersey? I mean, like, come on, think about it, lads. He's 21 years of age. His first start against Australia. I know they're not the powerhouses they used to be, but they're still one of the best teams in the world. It's still bloody Australia. Yeah. He came in so late, he had to wear Johnny Sexton's jersey. You know, that's Talk how late pressure. it was. There was no mind games. There. Johnny did the warm-up. If you look back and you see Ireland's tweets, I was like, what's going on? Because they had a tweet up like 10 minutes before the announcement. And there's Johnny... Um, uh, 
doing the handshake with the referee and the, and the Australia captain before the game. He's all ready to go. And then all of a sudden, Johnny Sexton's out, Jack Crowley's in. You're like, what? <laughs> yeah. So, like, not only to bring a 20-year-on-year-old 10 who's making his first start, who only has a handful of games for Munster, for him to come in that late into a, a full Aviva Stadium, into the test arena against Australia. Come on. And they tested him. Like, they were trying to, you know, there was late hits, there was, you know, fisticuffs after. They they really targeted him now, to be honest. So, like, welcome to Test Rugby, Jack Crowley, do you know, between wearing, I'm sure, at one stage, his idol's jersey, just in you go there. And then, obviously, Ross Byrne as well, testament. Obviously, he finished the game off for us, you know, killed as a cucumber and probably put it. It was some kick. Some kick. What about pressure? Do you know what? Just win us the game there. Now, you haven't played in two years, but up you step. I know, yeah. What what a baptism of fire for Jack Crowley to come in that late. Like, the mindset, he would have to just switch. All right, now, now you're the out half for Ireland, your number one team in the world. Go out there and run the team against one of the best teams in the world. Like it's, it was such a baptism of fire and I was kind of player camming him and he was just bringing such a good attitude. I don't know if you saw it, Lindsay, but like yeah. he'd be running over to get the ball. He'd be wrestling it off an Australian guy. Yeah. He'd be like, step up to Peter Manny. All right, let's do this. Like he was really taking charge, yeah. which is what they seem to be saying about him in camp, that he really steps up to the mark. And that was actually key. I think it's just before half time, So he could have went, you know, between himself and... Uh, Pete to decide just to kick in front of the post but they went to the corner for the line out so yeah. again he was kind of yeah took the ball took responsibility and he was like yeah He's what are we doing orders. here absolutely yeah. so he stood up and he stood up to the mark and putting up Gary Owens trying to kick for space relieving pressure like he was a man who knew his detail and mm. that's key for a 10 even just the basics like I didn't, he didn't he didn't put a foot wrong but he didn't probably again who who lives up to Johnny Sexton in their first match you know what I mean but yeah. uh, listen congratulations Jack Crowley I think you, you did an amazing job yeah well done Jack you did incredible and shout out to Ross Byrne as well I don't know if he was sitting at home in like where I don't know where having he's having a living. cup of tea having a cup of tea in <laughs> South Dublin and then Andy Farrell gives him a text get your arse into leaving yeah. the stadium lad where's them Nike boots bring them with you you know <laughs> but like cool as Cucumber as you mentioned like yeah. he's just his kick it wasn't easy no. it, was, it was a good bit over on the sideline yeah. and I watched him coming across I think um Jack or uh, James Ryan was the captain at the time, and they just pointed straight at the post. Right, give it to me. And slotted it over, grand like. And he didn't take a big run up. No. John away, and there's no faffing or lining up with his eyes. Like he just, um, as he was running up, I was gonna go right. He, there's two options here. He's gonna absolutely like majorly put this over, or he's gonna go like wayward wide. So I was like, <laughs> now not that I I didn't doubt him. Like I think he's a man who who should have really gone a lot further with Ireland. But the only thing for me is, like, I suppose Johnny is passing and on the game line and he's just a bit more of a playmaker. And I think if Ross Byrne now over the next 10 months can show that, which he's done with Leinster, can show that in an Irish jersey if he gets the opportunity. But yeah. that's what, like, where do we go now with the, the Guinness Six Nations? Is this going to be used that we go and win it? Or is it another five games that Andy Farrell is and my cat, you know, blood fellas? Because yeah. then you've only three tests before a World Cup. Yeah. But it's such a headache. Like I don't know how many years it's been or how many seasons it's been since Ross Byrne got into an Irish jersey, but it's been a while. Two years, I think. Yeah, he was fairly out of favour. Like, and I kind of I know him personally in, in the last couple of years. He's been itching. He was on the podcast last year. He's been oh, itching yeah, yeah. to get back into the Irish squad, and for him to just be so cool and calm, that's the kind of the head you need at a, as a ten. He was just so confident, and he's doing it week in week out with Leinster. So. Now his name is back in the mix. Yep. Like it's such a problem for Andy Farrell. Like and Joey's sitting at home and like, oh no, there's another guy now who's, who's battling me for ten. Like what you make of all that, Jason? It's going to be interesting to see. As I said, you know, when we get to the World Cup, I mean, like we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago at that time, New Zealand won it back in 2011, and they went down to their fourth choice ten by the time they got to the final. Stephen Donnell was out fishing and got a phone call like the week before and going, hey, fancy playing the World Cup final, and mm-hmm. he hit, hit the pressure kick. So like you can only bring, he's only going to bring three tens. So, like, you've got, obviously, Johnny, number one, 
then you've got Jack Crowley, Joey Carberry, Ross Byrne, Hardy Byrne, Jack Carty. There's a lot of guys there, so there's only one spot there. I personally think it would be Sexton, Carberry, and another. Yeah. So, but who another is? But even if, like, as we see with Johnny and Joey's uh, injury record, if we lose one of them, now hopefully we don't lose Johnny or no. touch touch wood. But if we lose one of them, like, it's nice to see there is someone there because. Yeah. We did not expect Ross Byrne to be even in the squad and all of a sudden he's kicking the win of Andy against Australia for us. Exactly. That's what Andy Farrell said in the post-match interview that it, as, as a test run, it's a really good thing. It's ideal for Ireland to lose Johnny Sexton like that because that mm. could happen next year in the World mm. Cup. Yep. Now they've done it. Now they know they can win a game against a top-tier nation losing Johnny. So Johnny he, and Joey. Johnny and Joey, yeah. You know, so, and we still See, I fear for Joey, really, if I'm honest. Do you know, I like, still think he's going to be there because I just think he's 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 played the most amount of minutes he's done it for us before against big teams he's done it against New Zealand he I know his, his injury record isn't the best but I still think I'm not just saying that as a, a monster no, but fan if you, I'd have Joey there no matter what whether he's on the bench or whether someone else like get, beats him to it in, in the big games in the World Cup I still think he's in that squad okay he's still in the squad but worst case scenario right I pose this to you Joey Carberry as an injury riddle 10 months right yes like, Touch where wood. are we going to get... You know, Touch what he won't. Do you know what I mean? But, like, where's we're on borrowed well, time. Like, I case, met yeah. James Lowe before the game, right? And he's kind of like... You know yourself as players. Like, you're like, right, someone's in that jersey. You know, Matt Hansen's done well. Uh, Joey, um, Jimmy O'Brien, excuse me, comes in. You know, lads have taken opportunity. And then mm. James Lowe's sitting there itching to come back in. And he's telling, oh, I have two weeks to come in at Ulster. And, again, he knows he's on borrowed time. So, I don't wish this on Joey. But what I'm saying is, we're obviously now talking about a load of tens that could mm. be in there and putting up their hands. Like, what happens to the lads who have that really tough time over the next 10 months and don't get opportunity to play? That's true. Yeah. I don't know. I just think Joey has enough in, in the him. bank. I think yeah. he's enough in the bank. It's happened a few times. I know we probably shouldn't have brought him to the, the last World Cup when he was, clearly wasn't fit. Like, it was, a, it was a mistake. But if he's fit and he's ready, ready to, go, to go... And he's burst off. Yeah, I think he's got, he's got enough, yeah. he's got enough yeah. credit in the bank, I think. No, personally. definitely. If Sexton and Carberry are fit, they're both going to go. It's that third mm. spot, I think. Um, but talking about the game, just before we move on... Not too many fellas stepped up for like, oh my God, unbelievable game. Obviously, Ringrose is always safe as houses. Like, he's he like was the unbelievable postman, again. Always delivers. Yeah, McCluskey was good again. McCluskey was decent. Doris had a great game, carried well, showed a kind of different element to his game. Um, Craig Casey, I thought, was really good when he came on. Yeah, he was. So was Bundy, he? to be fair to him. Bundy got his try back on the big stage. Yeah. Do you forgive him? I did. Yeah, I was still kind of angry in the first few minutes and then I was like, okay, you'll forgive me. Yeah. <laughs> so I, can, can we just point out as well, uh, Bundyaki must have been just eating weights for the last eight weeks because somehow he's after getting even bigger. I remember just seeing him come, come coming on and he's standing on the sidelines and it's like, you could land a plane on his back. Yeah, his neck just, disappeared. He is <laughs> like, Massive. obviously like he didn't have much else to do for the last eight weeks so he just pretty much eight weights yeah. and eight is Weedabix imagine being an Australian <laughs> player in the 60th minute and Bundy Akee coming on fresh and eight weeks of built up tension and full of energy I was like oh god I'm glad I didn't <laughs> stand up front of him out for eight games or something like that yeah eight yeah. weeks eight weeks we're good yeah. to see you back Bundy fair play and good to see you getting on the try uh, getting a try and getting on the score sheet yep um, so that's Ireland done now for the Autumn Nations isn't it well a little shout out to Joe McCarthy got his first cap and Joe McCarthy the yeah, baby faced man mountain congratulations sir so Ireland are in a good place ugly win but we'll take it 13-10 well done guys and, and before we move on to the other Autumn Nation series and I also want to talk about the Nick White head injury assessment but um, we had our very own Pat chatting to Peter O'Mahony during the week, uh, Pete was talking about the Aviva Ireland's Christmas donation drive um, with partner Food Cloud. So here's the chat Pat had with Pete. 
a kind of great year in terms of progress for you guys because I know Johnny would say in the past and you would say when you're up for press conferences you saw stuff building but it's great this year to have stuff to kind of cling on to even that triple crown and that win over New Zealand it's it's a great kind of reward for all the stuff that you guys have been doing isn't it yeah it is it is it's it's great obviously you know the triple crown was hugely important to us um you know some great performance in the six nations um obviously New Zealand was special you know uh, there's no no other way of talking about that um you know it was great to be involved and you know, important piece of history for us which is um you know it's it, something nice to have on the uh on the cv and and you know again south africa you know huge performance but uh, we certainly feel there's, there's a lot more to go on us you know which is you know probably the best feeling to have after a year like that you know uh, all the stuff that we've looked back on that we we we, we didn't quite get right or or that there's room to improve you know that's it, it's it's a really great feeling to have um to to really keep, keep the appetite there you know um, I, I wanted to just bring you back to that. Um, I suppose the, a, a great series you guys had against Australia in, in 2018, and um, almost sudden, like skipping to the second test because I always just remember like the the Hooper and Pocock kind of combination, and and they caused a bit of chaos in that first test, and and things the back row was changed up. You were kind of put in at, at open side and stuff. Do, do you remember much of the talk that week? And it was almost trying to like Pocock proof Ireland as much as you could, but. Um, great battles, weren't they? Do you remember much of the build-up to that that second test? Yeah, I do. I do. I remember. You know, obviously, they, as you said, they they they've given us hassle and, and something we previewed. And you know, it's all well and good to preview teams and 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 you know put plans in place, but it's it's trying to trying to actually implement these when you're dealing with guys who are who are the very best in the world at their jobs and. Um, you know, so we knew if we were going to have to, if we were going to win a series, we, we needed to, uh, we needed to get these guys sorted. And um, you know, in the second test, I think we dealt with them certainly a bit better. Um, you know, you have to have a heightened sense of awareness about guys like Michael Cooper. You know, when he's on the pitch, you know, you've seen some of his performances. Obviously, you know, certainly one of the best sevens in the world, and um, you know, has been doing it for a long, long time now. And um, you know, I'm sure they'll take a huge, uh, huge bit of confidence every time he's named in a, in a 15, you know. Yeah, in terms of like, you know, like, let's say, Jesus, like you've been the top of the game for like, you know, well, like, you know, well over a decade now at this stage and kind of playing test rugby for 10 years and stuff like, but for yourself, like, sometimes you, you look at the end of that game and say, geez, Peter Matney had a great game, but it's like the stats sometimes are never like, there's never going to be a Peter Matney game where you had like 80, 80 meters gained or anything like that, but um, what what do you kind of see if you've had a good game? You walk off the pitch. Like, what do you like to tell yourself? I've at least done these two or three things for my team. Um, okay. I mean, uh, it's no secret, obviously. Uh, you know, lineup is is hugely important. Um, you know, winning ball. Uh, you know, attacking ball. Ball defense is 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 very important to me. Um, you know, I'd have, have a good understanding of our defensive plan, and 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 you know, I think I think I think these days, for us, you've got to be all over most things. Though, um, you you have to, you know, you know, Andy's really encouraged us to to get to understanding our game and our rugby and and how we do it, and 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 i think that's unlocked a little bit more for me about going after things and understanding why a bit more um 
so look, I mean, it's it's a tough question to answer, to be honest, here, But uh, you know, you you've always got things that you try your very best to to implement that you think are the reason that you've been picked. You know, everyone's got that little bit of little niche or or uh, you know corner. Oh, I wouldn't say that, but it, you know, everyone's picked for a reason. You know what I mean? And and and. A lot of guys, maybe some guys don't, but a lot of guys understand and, and know that reason why, and, and that's what you've got to deliver first and foremost is what you're really good at. We've we've all got to work on things that 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 we know we're 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 not quite as good as other guys, but the reason that you're involved in the team is has to be what comes out first, you know, and is front and foremost, and you know that's what I always try to deliver. I, I wanted to kind of even then bring it back to like. Um like you're just a guy like when you kind of see as well like you kind of uh like sean o'brien used to be the same when he'd be playing as well like you kind of you get yourself into the games and you're kind of pumped up for these big moments as well and that you can see how i remember the australia game you came off the bench big tackle and that big picture of you roaring like you're you're kind of one of those guys that kind of uh like heart on the sleeve is what people would say like but uh i was kind of thinking back to the summer like and and there's these moments where like you're you're kind of getting into it as well i remember the, the big thing about sam kane and you guys chapping away at each other like that but at the end of that series, you guys kind of talk it out and like, you know, there is no hard feelings, is there? It's just you're, you're, the blood's up during a game, isn't that it? Yeah, look, that's the extent of it. Yeah, look, the blood has to be up. Um, you know, you're, you're in a, uh, you know, high pressure, you know, high conflict, uh, high contact zone. I mean, there's no other way to be. And, and yeah, look, this is part of rugby, you know what I mean? You, you know, there's all this chat going on and, you know, unfortunately, some of it is picked up, some of it isn't, and and at the end of it, it's all nine times out of ten, unless someone's taken real offence to something, um, it's forgotten about almost after the final whistle. You wouldn't even have to chat about it. You know what I mean? So that's just part and parcel of 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 uh, of, the, of the game and and the nature of the beast. I think it's a bit like me when I play Astro. I'm I'm always cranky in the last ten minutes of the game as I get tired. Yes, absolutely, yeah, correct. The Munster game down at Parky Creeve and, and did you get a chance? Were you able to even go along to you know you weren't playing or were you in Ireland camp and jealous not to be out there as well? Yeah, no, I, I couldn't go, unfortunately. Um, we, we were back in camps on Thursdays and, and um, watched in the shower. And yeah, absolutely, hugely jealous of the lads. Um, I, I would have loved to have even been there as a supporter. It looked like a great occasion. Um, you know, it was only a couple of hundred metres from, from my house and um would have loved to have seen it, all the fans and stuff walking around the area and and uh you know the obviously the whole occasion of it um you know we've obviously a great history with the the touring teams and that kind of thing and to keep to keep tipping away to that and um i look at look those days are you know they're special uh i don't think i've ever had requests for tickets like for a game i'd say we could have sold it three or four times over um it was bigger than New Zealand in Aviva. It was, uh, it, was, it was mentally enough tickets I was asked for, uh, which is great, you know, and it was great for Cork as well. You know, we've an incredible fan base there, and um, it was great that they could wander down and, and, you know, not have to travel very far home or wander home. And, um, you know, good for Munster rugby as well. It was, I think everyone, it was a win-win for everyone, GA, uh, Munster, Irish rugby, you know, I think everyone benefits from an occasion of that. The last rugby one I have for you is just um, the World Player of the Year nominations, like the like two Irish boys involved as well. Um, 
like just kind of what what does that say about them? And as even sometimes I was saying they had five or six on the on the short list. Or anybody else you kind of expected to see on that short list as well? Uh, look, it, it, it's certainly a product of what those people have put in, and and, and I think it's also a product of what what the group has put in and the coaching staff has put in. Obviously, Andy has been nominated um, on a week so. Um, you know, it's a, it's an accumulation, and I'm sure the lads would have said the same thing of of uh, of lots of different factors, and um, I, I think just rewards for for the people that have been named player of the year, young, uh, emerging player of the year, coach. You know, you know all those people absolutely deserved uh, after, uh, to be nominated. I think. And and then just the last one, just about the campaign as well. It sounds pretty good. Like the the food cloud initiative is just like. Um, have you found out much about it yourself? And happy to be involved and you know lend your name to it as much as you can. Yeah, look, it, it's really great. Uh, it, it's I I'd heard of the food cloud guys before, and um, you know, given my interest in in you know growing my own food and that kind of stuff, I'd often queried even when we were in camp and stuff. You know, uh, you know. We're very well looked after, and and there's almost a policy of you know food shouldn't run out for us and that kind of thing, and and even restaurants and supermarkets like where, where does all this waste go? And and you know I would imagine I don't know the figures, but the amount of food that's that's dumped is is off the wall. I'd imagine with the amount of and at the same time the amount of people that are are hungry around the world, you know, uh, not just in Ireland. And um, I think it's a great initiative, you know, to take food that's obviously. On the way to waste and and turn some of the grub they do and, and help people who are struggling um you know it, it's a kind of a win-win on lots of fronts and um you know yeah i'm i'm, I'm delighted to be uh, to be involved in it to be honest brilliant so for listen uh nice talking to you today thank you cheers Pat. all right lovely stuff as always from peter manny there all right another big thing that we wanted to talk on a separately about with the ireland australia game is this whole nick white head injury assessment yes. fiasco um, to kind of give the download of what happened so in the match he got two separate knocks one off Mac Hansen's hip yep. and another one off Van de Fleer's knee all um, unintentional that just, just happened he stumbled once the camera saw that everyone saw that and then they went to look at that first incident and didn't see him stumble a second time is what the, they're all coming out saying now and based off the world rugby protocols if someone stumbles in any way that's a suspected concussion yeah. you're supposed to come off the pitch but they obviously let him go on the pitch because he passed his HIA and this is where the confusion's coming out and he's now out for 12 days based off this second stumble. Um, and there's been uproar about it that it's really poor player management and it's obviously a bigger issue than just rugby. Yep. So what do we think? Uh, well, there was a lot of, I think there was an argument by Matt Williams about, you know, we leave it to the doctors and it's the science. Um, it was clear Nick White was absolutely concussed and you can see him down on his hunkers, if not on one knee with the physio on the initial Mac Hansen. And he kind of just is blinking to try and refocus himself. And he sways as he's there. And, I'm, and I I saw it straight away on the big screen. Obviously, we were there. And I was like, that lad needs to come off. Yeah, like, yeah. he is absolutely goosed. Um, so I think, yeah, there was two things. Like, uh, days look and then the stumble. I think they're two big pointers to say, you know, get off the pitch. And I think if if there's anything, whether you pay, pass your HIA, you should always err on the side of caution and get that player off. Like, the game is bigger. It, it People. Players are bigger than the game. Like this is people's health and welfare, and it's kind of sad that every week we're pitching on some kind of drama around head concussion or concussion. Excuse me. So like again, like I just thought it was disgraceful that you would argue about the science. Science isn't, 
yet a lot of the time gran is black and white we don't we can't compare someone's health to climate change um <laughs> no offense <laughs> but do you know what i mean like like i i i went back to college i did science my sister science i do agree with it in the sense of yeah we apply it but you have to apply so you, for context, you're nature. referring to what Matt Williams Sorry, comparing a big yeah. Yeah. climate change science to head injury assessment <laughs> science. Yeah, and yeah. I'm absolutely right. And I was like, like this, and Rob Carney had a great argument. It's it's not putting the game of rugby in a good light. You know, no. we've missed out. You know, we're here talking about Nick White and, and concussion again. There were so many beautiful spectacles and celebration of rugby over the weekend. And we're here again about people's health. Yeah. Air on the side of caution. But Carney said in that in the interview, or they kind of had a bit of an argument, really, on, on the Virgin Media, was that this is the biggest threat to rugby at the moment. Yes. This yep. head injury stuff, and I completely agree with him because it's bigger than I, rugby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Poor Nick White now is sitting out for twelve days, and they did say he didn't show any symptoms afterwards and in the next two days. But it doesn't matter. He still got two massive knocks to the head. He's still a human. Sure, he turned over the ball on that one when he carried. If if you look at it closely, like he he loses the ball in that contact. Like again, like two head knocks. Like what? What repercussions mm. is that man going to have later in life? I think, Jason, the best way looking, yeah. into, I think the best way of looking at it, I mean, like we're here and the biggest talking point of the weekend is we're talking about Nick White. Now, we beat Australia, right? So we're not talking about Nick White shouldn't have been allowed back on because he came on and won the game from. We beat Australia and we're still, all we're talking about and all we're worried about is Nick White's health. Made no difference in the game. Didn't affect us. Um, I'm disgusted by Matt Williams' comments, to be honest with you. For him to come out and for him to say... Essentially, you know, trust the science, um, forget about it, we're not entitled to speak about it. I mean, his eyes are clearly glassy. He actually stumbles three times, he wobbles, you can see he's completely out of it. He doesn't know where he is. There is, I thought Joe Malloy handled it fantastically. He went back to the World Rugby guidelines and said that, like, there are two things that are in the guidelines, and if you spot them, that overrules the doctor, it overrules everything, you take him off. Now, if you're watching this as a young coach, as a young player, you don't have independent doctors at matches. That's what you have to go by. So if you see a guy, if you see a kid, or if you see a guy playing amateur rugby, or whatever level it is, where you're not in a big test arena and international game, and you see them behave in that manner, they're off. They're done. They're finished. They ain't coming back on. It's quite simple. And I'm not a doctor. You're not a doctor. You're not a doctor. I don't need to be a bloody doctor to see that. It's absolutely shocking. It's disgraceful. And it's going to kill our game. And it's continuing to kill our game. Because we're just, we're not being safe enough. Yeah, that's I, what Matt Williams is saying, trust the science. And I get what he's trying to say, but he, the way he delivered it came across terribly. But I agree with John Malloy in the sense that the protocols are written in black and white. Mm-hmm. If you see someone stumble, take them off the pitch. That's it, suspected concussion, you're done, bud. I don't care if you feel a million dollars. Like So that is the scary part that somehow they missed it. And there's like 60,000 people, there's live stream. Yeah. I'm like... How is he allowed back on the pitch just for his own his own health? Imagine being his family back home after seeing him stumble and he's back on the pitch. And it's written in black and white there. This is what we're supposed to do. Mm. So it's a bit of a mess up by the medical staff. Obviously, they didn't intend to like put him back on. They obviously missed yeah. it because they were yeah. reviewing the first one. So their intentions were right, but they just missed the second one. So I'm just glad that he he's okay, to be yeah. honest. I am too. But, you know, it it is sad. You know, yeah. it is sad. And like, I do agree. I do to try and give him the benefit of the doubt, you, you understand what Matt Williams is trying to say. But at at the end of the day, is it kind of coming this? Oh, yeah, this mat. You were trying to eradicate this macho image for rugby. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a war of attrition and the speed and the rate of collisions and the the geez, the, uh, the impact of the collisions now yeah. um, are huge. And we have to 
we have to protect the players that play it. And the same thing, come back to yourself. If you're a coach, we want the message to like err on the side of your players' welfare rather yes, than the game. Completely. You know, people are essential to this and it is bigger. The people in it are bigger than the game itself mm. right now and we need to we need to manage it, you know. Yeah, exactly. The doctors are trying their best, so it's not a we're not killing the medical staff no. here now. It's just it was no. a mess up, the things that happened. But my other kind of argument before we move on is there's a perfectly good scrum half sitting on the bench as well for Australia. Like, just put him on. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Why yeah. risk it? Like, yeah. He's clearly had a blocked head. He stumbled. He's played a couple of minutes. All right, put the next guy on. Why would you have him on Absolutely. the bench anyway? And that's what the autumn series are for. Yeah. Like, we, we saw that with Johnny Sexton. Grand his was to do with his dead leg and not and not coming and back on time for that and not risking him. And this is greater than that. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, use your players. That's, they're professional players. They're paid <laughs> to do it. Yeah. Like, trust yeah. them, you know? Exactly. The fact that he's been, <clears throat> excuse me, the fact that he's been stood down for 12 days now since. And the fact that they said, oh, we missed the second one because we were reviewing it. It just goes to show they do make mistakes. So yeah. if you're not 100% sure, you take him off. Yeah. And uh, it, like, this is not a good look for rugby. No, it's not. But um, look, we, we, we could talk about it all day. Let's move on. Um, we're obviously all very passionate about it, which is good. Well, we love the game. Yeah. Exactly. Let us we be clear on this. Yeah. We love yeah. the game. We love the people and in it. we just want it to be safer. Exactly. Yeah, we, want it to, we want it to last. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Simple as that. Before we chat about the World Rugby Awards where... Ireland just did fabulously over yes. there. A couple of lads did really well. We'll talk about it in a second. But uh, our very own Jason Hennessy spoke with Jamie Heaslip during the week um, all about the November test and what he thought about it. So have a look at this. I think you're seeing kind of uh, Timoney put his hand up. I think uh, Deegan is, is starting to come to the fore a little bit more and showing a little bit more versatility. He's a little bit more grown up and, and, and mature now. He's, he's, he's kind of had, you know, he broke through back in what was it 2016 I think it was as world player um was he world player of the year nominated for world player of the year yeah that famous tweet where he said he was coming for your jersey <laughs> yeah you know and he's he's still yet to take it off anyone else um yeah. but but he I, he had to mature in that regard in terms of like underage rugby Side note, underage rugby, if you're like one of the good guys, one of the bigger ones, it's very easy to put your head above the pulpit and, and stand out. Once you come out of the underage bracket, like look at the 10 position. Jack Crowley's going to give Johnny Sexton, who's been at top tier international level for at least 10 years. Yeah. Everyone's good and they have experience on top of you, right? Yeah. So you, you just have to learn how to mature a little bit. But um, I think Max has done really well. Um, Timmy done really well. I think Treadwell's done really well last week. Um, I think McCluskey done really well. The thing is, I don't think McCluskey starts. You know what I mean? And then I don't think you put him on a bench, right? Because I think he lacks the versatility. He's very good 12, right? But I think he lacks the versatility to have him on the bench for a game unless you have other players that can kind of cover different positions. So you said Jimmy O'Brien. I think Jimmy O'Brien did himself a massive turn. Like, I don't think, I don't even, Jimmy expected to come on 13 for his first cap. You know what I mean? Like, so fair play. And he did unbelievably well. And now he can show, oh, actually, if you're stuck, he can do a job at 13. And yeah. he got a little bit exposed at, at, at in defensively, um, particularly when L William Rilou was on, and they, they they were able to open the game up a little bit more in um, South Africa. But no one's as good as Gary Ringrose right now on that 13 channel in general. Who else uh, stood out for me? Obviously, Crowley, I think, took his chances. Um, I think Joe was a little bit Joey was a little bit pedestrian, which is which is something that you wouldn't say with Joey yeah. because he's got magic feet. He's rapid quick. But he seems to be going through the process as opposed to 
even prodding the line a little bit more, having a bit more command or or, or demanding about him. Uh, well, Jack was barking at lads straight away and and was taking opportunity himself. Um, so I, I think he potentially is going to be really interesting to see uh, how that goes. I think Joey's been ruled out this weekend. So, I, you yeah. know, yeah. do you parachute Jack straight in? I think you do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you say, right, boy, you know, uh, now's, now's a chance if you get it. Um, look, Looking back over the years, playing Australia, obviously with that big famous win in 2011 at the World Cup, you played him out, so you went to the Lions Tour there in 2013, I believe. Um, any good stories from playing them over the years? I know they enjoy a few points as much as we do, like kind of anything happened on the pitch or anything off with the Aussies, because I'd say they're a good crack to, to, to play, play against, first of all, and go out with it for a few things afterwards. No major stories that I can I can disclose. Um, <laughs> we had some good times. Um, we've anything had some good on tours. The pitch, anything on the pitch? Any kind of good moments on the pitch that you can remember? Oh, my favorite. Like, well, I have two favorite moments. And it was that game you lose to in Eden Park. Like my two favorite moments is like coming off back of the scrum and seeing Stephen Ferris pick up uh, uh, Genia at the time and just marching back, and we all just piled in. <laughs> Pretty nice. And then that same game. Um, Quade Cooper was playing obviously and you know he's a hot stepper and that game was the momentum in that last kind of 20 had swung in our favour and I remember we kicked down the field and we're all running up and Quade Cooper tries to sidestep a few guys he tries to, obviously he sees Keen Healy prop in front of him tries to sidestep him and to say Keen opened him up was like he just got him the perfect shot under like he stepped and caught him just under the ribs hoofed him up didn't tip him um, legit tackle and um, technique was on point but you can imagine like that kind of power hitting at, at the right angle right time you know you're talking about a guy who's 116 18 kilos at the time versus someone who's probably what 91 two kilos something like that uh it was a joy to watch um but uh, they're, they're kind of the, that's probably a, the favorite moment. And actually, you know, you know what a quite telling moment was, was when we drew against them back in, I think that was 2009. I think it was Keen Healy's actual first cap in Crow Park. And, uh, you know, it was kind of a bit of a common, uh, uh, a coming of a, a moment for, for, for a telling moment for a lot of us bubbling up where we probably had struggled against them and how we went to, uh, a clincher moment, scrum, I think it was last scrum of the game or, or close to last scrum of the game. And we do a set piece. And then I think it was Drico scored to kind of, to 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 draw the game. Um, that was a bit of a momentum shift for us, I think, in terms of confidence of, of they were the first on the kind of run the ladder. We had to kind of consistently beat and get over. And then South Africa. And then the final one was New Zealand, which the lads are, you know, they have a generation of players now who don't know what it is to lose to um, to New Zealand, which is a weird thing to say. Um, but always enjoyed touring there. I always had a great time. Great stuff. I'll ask you quickly before we finish up on the World Player of the Year. Obviously, that only came out there yesterday. A couple of surprises. The big thing I want to ask you is, you know, as a former back row, a former number eight, no Gregory Aldries and no Ardy Sevilla. Does that surprise you? Well, we'd have to look at who's on the on the selection panel, wouldn't we? To see, like, I'd love to know what the blend is between forwards and backs, uh, <laughs> and Northern Hemisphere versus Southern Hemisphere. Um, but that's for another day, right? Um, we can get into conspiracy theories later, Jason. But I think, look, um, 
I think it's a validation for all of them for the work that they're putting in. And someone asked me previously, like, you know, will that be huge for them? Like I was lucky enough to be nominated a few times. It's nice, you know, and I've never won it, but talking to Johnny, he said it was pretty cool to be like, basically told you're the best player. Right. Um, but I think really these guys, they want trophies. They want medals, you know, in the cabinet at the end of the season, like it's a nice validation of this is the you're, you know you're getting return on the work that you're putting in, and you're a good player and might help with a contract negotiation, you know, and might help with commercial stuff. But like, I don't think they really. You, sorry, I don't want to take away from it, but like, they care about winning, you know. Um, uh, I've often said I think Johnny Sexton is the best player Ireland have ever had. Um, just look at what he has won. Just look at. Um, his own individual I think it's the third time he's been nominated he's won it once he's the only Irish player to really win it in a, in a professional era I know Keith Wood won it very early on but like that was not the professional era I can tell you that right now um, so and the calibre of players these days is just insane um, and then for Josh I think it's amazing because I think he has been unbelievably consistent Um which is you play as you train. So if you train with this guy, you're around him, it makes perfect sense. Um, he is an unbelievable pro, unbelievably nice guy, um, always putting the work in, always looking to grow, has probably, was probably too anxious early on in his career to, in terms of the pressure cooker environment and getting used to that and all that. And now he's kind of like, he's grown into it, right? And I think even some of his own comments, he knows he's a bit more relaxed. Uh, in terms of the pressure cooker environment and how to deal with that and the expectation he puts on themselves or the work that he needs to put in in order to then be comfortable on the run into a game. But it's great, isn't it? Like, we have two Irish players up for World Player of the Year. We are the number one team in the world. We beat the world champions last week. Um, it is a great position to be in. And I think we have to just flip the narrative a bit in terms of like, we never get past the quarterfinal or we're never good when we're favorites to like backing the side um, and actually wanting these guys to go forward, wanting them to do well and uh, wanting to win the six nations and then roll into a really competitive uh, world cup. Great stuff there. Great stuff. Always good to catch up with the old pal, Jamie. Um, interesting comments there from him about the world rugby awards and we're going to get onto that but I like the way he said and I think he's dead right in saying that you know Johnny won it and we're going to get onto the fact that Josh won it uh, last night but uh, th those those big players guys like Josh and guys like Johnny Sexton as brilliant as it is to win world player of the year like I mean you're, you're basically been told you're the best player player in the world I think he's going to forget about that pretty quickly because he wants to win the Champions Cup this year he wants to win the URC he wants to win the Six Nations he wants to win the bloody World Cup so I like that. Interesting comments. Like I think he's dead right in what he's saying there because it's all about team game really, isn't it? It's all about yeah. winning trophies, not individual accolades. Yeah, I think it was a testament. That's what he was kind of alluded to, a testament to the how successful Ireland are at, at the moment, you know, with the nominations. And like, I think Josh was not, you know, Pat would have done an interview where two years ago he's struggling to get into the team. And now True. two years later, you know, he's World Player of the Year and what he's won every... Uh, rugby writers, rugby players, Ireland, and then European Player of the Year was yeah, he not? European so, Player of the Year, yeah. Um, he's but you know what? You couldn't meet a nicer guy who's so grounded. Thanked all his family, his friends, the players around him, and his uh, and his new wife Sophie. He'd give you the time of day and he'd give you the shirt off his back. So, 
to be honest, Josh, on every level you deserve it, man. But I think it is testament to how successful Ireland are. Um, even with Andy getting a nomination and obviously um Mac Hansen and Dan Sheen as well as and, and Johnny. So I think it's just testament to where Ireland are at the moment. Yeah, well massive congrats to Josh, of course, Josh yeah. Vanderfleer, but also to Terry Kennedy. Yes, yeah, got World year. Rugby Sevens player of the year. So we had two lads who were the best rugby players in the world. Yeah. Like that, it just to me is nuts. Like, you know, and we've loaded nominations as well. So I'm just so buzzing for Irish rugby and for yeah. the lads. And because they're such good guys, I know Terry really well, obviously played with him for years. And I've met Josh a couple of times. I'd love to take it from him, but he's probably the nicest guy I've ever met. He's lovely, really yeah. well educated, good looking well, lad. Well deserved as well, if yeah. you can say that, because Josh has been incredible. And can I just point out as well for any of our fans that are outside of Ireland, I saw a lot of comments because of everyone playing for different lynches. Josh Renderfleer was born and raised in Ireland. <laughs> He's got Dutch grandparents. He's not South African or anything like that. Because I've seen a few of those comments. Let us be clear here. Just trying to be like salty, I suppose. And just annoys me. I mean, look, okay, he's born and bred. He's as Irish as yeah. you get, okay? Just he's from Wicklow. Yeah, it's the end of that, like, he's okay? From, yeah, it's just Dutch heritage. It's just his like, Dutch just grandparents, yeah, like. But, exactly. uh, no, I mean, like, he's like, Josh has been phenomenal. Phenomenal, like you can't take it away from him. Terry Kennedy, I like I, how many tries has he scored? He has 52 in 50 I mean, games or something ridiculous like that. And they're not basic tries either. Like he's been a, a game or something. Run, runs the pitch every time, like yeah. it's unbelievable. Scandalous. Yeah, do you think, do you think, is, is he someone you'd like to see in the 15s game? But this is a big thing for me that I thought about afterwards. I was like, we have the best sevens player in the world, yeah. right? And for some reason, the RFU haven't even put him into a training setup in the 15s. One of the provinces, we should not just go Terry Gwynn there for a couple of yeah. weeks, train with the team. Because you are the best player in the world in sevens yeah. rugby. Surely you're able to play a bit of ball. And if you look at New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, all these teams use sevens as look, like Caleb a... Caleb Clark, yeah. with them. Look, look at us, look at what we did with Hugo Keenan. Like. Exactly. They how use unbelievable has he been for us? Exactly. Same with Jordan Conroy last year, he was top try scorer in the world. So two years in a row, we've had two guys be top try scorer in the world for sevens rugby. Get him in there. And the RFU haven't once gone, all right, let's see, can you play 15s and I think Pat spoke to John Porch during the week mm. and John Porch obviously played Australian 7s yeah. now he's one of the best wingers in the URC and he was like why isn't Terry Kennedy playing 15s mm. and he's a Mary's boy am I right yeah with Mary's yeah, so. went to um, where did he go to school he went to oh I can't remember he went to school now but he definitely was a Mary's boy and he the thing is now he's gone down to Australia going working out for a while he said he might come back play again, but at the moment, because obviously the money's not the greatest in the seven setup, he has other better options to go work and like establish his career. He has a missus and stuff. So yeah. it's, like, it's a strange, it's strange one. Strange we take him. No, that Munster lads, if if, if Munster are watching yeah. this, take him. I mean, we've. We, we could do with some more backs. I'd take the, well, I know, the world yeah. seventh player of the year any day of the week. If they stepped, <laughs> someone just stepped up and gave him a training country, I know for a fact Terry would think about it. Like, Of course yeah. he would. Maybe you could play a bit in Australia, do Mac Hansen and be pipped back. Maybe, That's what might happen, lads. He might, get, he might slip away. Like, what age, is, what age is he? He's not that old, is he? He's only 25. Give him a chance. Give him a go. I mean, Keenan is what? Is he 26? Keenan only came into the set about 24. And now he's probably one of our most important players. Yeah. yeah, you know, so that's how quickly you can make transition if you're good enough. Imagine he started playing club rugby in Australia and into playing for Australia. Oh no! No, don't don't, don't do that. Don't do that. It's Richard revenge Kennedy. for Sealy Mackenzie. Yeah. That is. No, I don't want to put a negative <laughs> swing in it because Joanne, it's a great night for Terry and great night yeah. for Josh, and it's unbelievable for Irish yeah. rugby. And um, it's obviously in a really good place. And um, the other guys getting in the dream team as well, I think, is great as well. I mean, yeah. obviously you. Me and you have, and you have also said it all season about how good Ty Byrne has been and it's great to see Ty Byrne get in there. He's a guy for a, a long time kind of 
was overlooked by the international game. Took him took his time mm. to get properly into the Ireland set up and become concrete, got onto the Lions tour. I think the world knows now. We always knew how good Tyburn yeah. is. The world knows now because no one objected to Tyburn beating that squad. You also had Tyg Furlong in there. Obviously, Johnny was in there and Josh van der Feer. So, like, we have four players in the dream team, which is incredible. And Absolutely. player of the year and seventh player of the yeah. year. Not bad. No. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Irish eyes are smiling. Yeah. It's class. It but is we'd, class. But we'd give it all away for a for World, World Cup. Cup. <laughs> would give it all In away. In the morning. Yeah. Even a semi final. <laughs> Definitely. No, we're going that far. We're going all the way. Uh, we're we want the trophy. All right. No problem. We Imagine are, we won it, lads. The country would. We are so we set up for it now, guys. Shut the country. I think the country would shut down for oh a month, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Just shut down. It's like, yeah, just give me some pandemic times again. No one down their house. Just celebrate for Ireland winning the world. Yeah, well, all the lads say, you mentioned a while ago that. Jamie was saying Josh after a couple of days he's focuses back on Leinster and yeah. whatever and Dan Sheen had was interviewed for the IRFU as well and he said yeah it's great to be acknowledged but like all I really care about is just winning hell yeah, yeah. so like it's I love that mindset they're obviously just been drilled into them it's team first yeah, yeah. which is and working. you can see that with them there's a lot of love amongst the amongst the players by the looks of their media and you know they look very happy and relaxed and I think that's what's helping the consistency of performance yeah. and uh, obviously Andy Farrell I think brings in family members for first caps and jersey presentation which is lovely I think it's essential that he sees the players for who they are so yeah. it's, it seems a really really good buzz and, and yeah. family spirit within that yeah he said they Irish celebrate couple. first caps and 100 caps in the Irish camp they bring family and friends in to celebrate it isn't that lovely it's lovely and his own son Owen Farrell got 100 caps on the weekend he obviously wasn't uh, there to watch the game yeah. but he said he flew to meet him afterwards so very nice. Isn't Another it? man could yeah, have so been in an Ireland jersey. It's, it's it's weird to see Andy Farrell with like emotions. I think in relation to oh, he's like really happy for his son, yeah. but his son is own Farrell. Like, I know. It's mad. <laughs> it's so weird. It's so surreal. It's so weird. Like yeah, but it's cool. Congrats to Owen Farrell as well getting hundred caps. Um, but you were saying it there, Jason. The the team of the year was announced. Yeah. We want to run through it. We'll give the names pretty quickly. Um, so the front row was Ellis Genge, Malcolm Marks, Tyg Furlong. Um, the second row was Tyg Burns, Sam Whitelock. Back row. Um, Pablo Matera Josh van der Fleer uh, World Player of the Year as well Gregory Aldrich Anton Dupont was 9 Sexton 10 Wingers were Corabetti and Will Jordan Freddie Stewart at full back and then the centres were Lacanio Am and Delande so obviously an unbelievable team but mm. straight away for me I would think Savea should have probably been in there there's an argument for that I think you what you would have done there like mm. I, I wouldn't take Aldrit out so like I would have found a place for him and I would have put either Aldrit or Savea in at six and got the three of them in yeah. um, I think there's definitely a case there in the front row for Cyril Boy to be there ahead of Genge I know Genge was phenomenal but Cyril Boy I think he was in the team of the week every week for the Six Nations <laughs> for the Grand Slam yeah. I, I don't know what way it works it, yeah, it works off the calendar year isn't it um, I think Etzebet probably should have been in there over Whitelock yeah. maybe he's been absolutely incredible uh, looking around I think um, Corabete maybe a bit lucky to get in there I think maybe I'm a little bit lucky in there because even though I know Am is incredible if you look at I think myself and Pat looked it up during the week it was like he's only played like three tests in 2022 yeah, who are you so in he should have been there do you know who's been absolutely sensational Gary two players Gary's, one, Gary's a guy that could have got in there yeah. I think uh, Rico Annie's been incredible Jordy Barrett's been incredible yeah. Yeah. so there's there is like come here look the only real one I would say that like it makes no sense that RDCBA isn't there RDCBA should have been nominated for World Player of the Year RDCBA should have been in the Dream Team of the Year yeah. he has been even when New Zealand were bad even against Ireland when we, when we beat them he dragged he them back still, like, he dragged them back so many times yeah. he has been absolutely incredible I think 
he would have been could have almost even pipped Josh van der Fleer you know, for the trophy never mind not being nominated yeah. in the funny you place. mentioned both of those lads so van der Fleer was interviewed by us a couple of weeks ago and he was asked who's his favourite player in the world that he'd love to play with and he said Ardy Sevilla of course man <laughs> Ardy Sevilla is, is the best eight in the world at the moment by a good bit I think I yeah. think personally I think Aldred is fantastic well, but I just think like as I said like He's not even playing in a good New Zealand team at the moment and he still stands out and is the best player on the pitch yeah. every single bloody time yes. to play. Something it's hard to fathom. Yeah, something <laughs> notable as well as Malcolm Marks getting the hooker position and he doesn't even start for South Africa. He comes off the bench. Yeah, but when he, do, when, he so when he comes off the bench, He's by God, does he do damage. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. That was that famous game and he came off the bench and he like made like fucking five or six turnovers in like 20 minutes, whatever it was. I don't know what game it was, but he is a beast. It makes... I think they know, I think they've even said it themselves in the past that he is their best tucker, but they just like having him off the bench. It's the bomb to, squad it's thing. That's yeah. what it is like. I mean, like the fear of God that we put into you. If you're like win, if you're losing the game or if you're slightly winning and this guy comes off the bench with two more, like, like someone like Kitchoff or Cock or someone else comes off the bench. Like, oh, it's listen. frightening. It's yeah. like terrifying. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like imagine us having like, I know we've sorry, we, we are going to have two class hookers going forward when the two boys are fit. But like it's like having another Ty Furling, another Andrew Porter on the bench to bring on alongside a Dan Sheehan or or what's I'm forgetting his name now. Sorry, what's the Leinster hooker? Heffernan. Heffernan. Uh, Heffernan. Yeah. No, no. Uh, was there another uh, hooker? Or Keller. Keller. Yes. Keller. Yes. Ronan like, Keller. It's like yeah. we have we have a Keller which is just, which is class to come off. But imagine we had like a Keller, a Porter, and a Furlong on the bench. As well, well as yeah. having them start, as well as having a Sheehan and a Porter and a Furlong yeah. starting, that's the South Africa. Sixtieth <laughs> minute, and you're absolutely goosed. And yeah, they come on to in the front row of all places. Like you've yeah. gone through so much work, and then you're like, oh please, not you three. Yeah. yeah. Another one, other thing, just about the men's team. Um, Freddie Stewart, I think, has been so consistent for England. I personally would have put Hugo Keenan in there. I just think he offers more. I think he's just as consistent and offers more. Um, but what you, what you make of Freddie Stewart getting the fifteen? He's like he has been class. I mean, he's yeah. been particularly good in the automations. Like he got man to match. I don't think he got two man to matches. If he got one anyway, but he was he's in, he he's is class. he's probably been England's best player, despite the hard. fact that they haven't. I know, yeah, they haven't <laughs> been playing well, but he has stood out. Um, it's a tough one. Like you, you could have like you could have put Jordy Barton there as well at fifteen. You could have put Bowden Barton side there as well. Did like it's a, the fifteen jersey is a tough one. But you could have put Ramos in there as well. You could have put Ramos in yeah. there. It's yeah. interesting nice seeing like not a lot of French players getting in there. Like considering how it's good they strange. were. Considering like France have beaten South Africa, they've beaten New Zealand, Unbeaten they've beaten year. Australia, they've won a Grand Slam, yeah. and they were overlooked. Probably would have expected maybe in the centre someone like Fico or someone inside there. Um, it's the first time I think ever going a full calendar year without losing a game. It's nice. Yeah, so. new history records, which is it, it's nice to see the French because they're they're. They're their worst up. They're their own worst enemy. Yeah. If we're fair to them, because they they can be so petulant and moody. But uh, look, it is great. To, it just brings it back. I think it's great. It's people's perception. I think it can be sometimes. I'll, I'll be controversial here. Sometimes it can be political. Like you know, you can see the consistency. And I think sometimes you have to balance the books and the numbers. And that's fair yeah, enough. Yeah. Um. You know, you're you're trying to reward everyone, but I think it's it's nice for people to get it. Uh, Ruhe Demont got it for the women's 15s player. Ruby Chewy got the standout for the women's. So and then Wayne Smith got it. You know, so it was nice to see. Professor. The professor himself coming in six months and yeah. cleaning up the mess and then it goes on to win a World Cup. So I think, look, it's a great night for the players in it, but I th I'd say, you know, the rugby family and community, like, it's hard when players like Savay aren't getting rewarded. Yeah. Um, I think Ruby too as well. Didn't she win seventh player of the year? Or seventh breakthrough player of the year? 
last, last year, year before. So to go to be be like to win the sevens breakthrough, then go to fifteens and win the fifteens breakthrough like almost yeah, straight away. That's big. bloody impressive. Like yeah, and she gave <laughs> away her medal and she got a new one then that day. She awards. presented yes. another one last yeah. night in Monaco. I loved nice. her her video after and her chat. The video was on the World Rugby Instagram and her chat. It's just so she seems like such a genuinely nice person. Yeah. Yeah. She just again lo- loves life and loves yeah. people. And so I don't know if you could see her chain was from the little one she she gave her medal to. So they kind of swapped and she said, "This oh, is my medal now." And um, obviously didn't know the story speaking to her dad and, and the little girl was suffering from leukemia so you forget that there's life outside sport and sport brings such joy and then like that like that's just so special to be able to do that and yeah. you know shout out to her and, and that's what we want to see that's what sport brings for us and yeah. no more so than rugby with its values and, and you can see it and that that's what we want to be talking about not you know players health and wealth and, and everything like that so uh, no listen it's a great night it's lovely to get suited and booted but um think yeah comes back exactly yeah we well, want trophies we want well the world said, cup Lindsay, yeah well you mentioned the <laughs> demand got the women's 15s player of the year smith got the coach uh ruby Tui breakthrough player capuzzo got the breakthrough player for the men's what a player. and just a what run, player what yeah. a player great <coughs> try against i know like it's well. un- we unfortunately we missed out on our boy mac and dan sheen didn't get it like but you can't no. take it away that guy is a guy if he keeps going on his current trajectory he's a guy in two or three years time could be in contention for world player of the year yes. i think this dictate there is no ceiling for him like, because yeah. every time you see him play you just like you, you want to see him get ball and hand go what's he going to do he did it again he scored another class try mm. against South Africa the weekend two against very Australia very intelligent tries as well he's yeah. not just being handed yes. them he's he knows what lines, he's doing yeah. he runs these lines he runs these arcs and he just really really good acceleration mm. really good hands he's just and he's not the biggest guy he's tiny man you know what I mean yeah. but, but he like, waited for us um, in one of his tries he waited for South Africans to shoot exactly yeah, like he made a fool um, of them like he made a few. You know, like, this is South Africa. Man. Very yeah. intelligent. So, Very yeah. intelligent. Well done, Caputo. Keep it up. Just to run through the women's 15s uh, 20 team of 2022, we have uh, Hope Rogers, Emily Totsi from Canada, Sarah Byrne, or the front row, Abby Ward, and Maduso Fall in the second row. Back rows, Alex Matthews, Marley Packer, and Sophie Degudi. Uh, number nine is Laurie Sansus. Sansus yeah. Number 10 is Ruawe Demont. I'm pronouncing him okay, am I? Ruawe Demont, yeah, Ruawe you Demont. are. You're doing a great job. Ruby Tui on the wing with Portia Woodman on the other wing. Teresa Fitzpatrick at 12. Emily Scar at 13. And Abby Dow, Abby Wow at 15. Do you agree with all that? I'll be controversial. I think Emily Scar, uh, look, the, the woman is world class. She's been so consistent for so long. Um, I'm not sure. I think it was one of our quieter tournaments, yeah. if I'm honest. And I, I probably think, I'm not sure I would have her in that team. Um, all that Sarah Byrne, yeah, probably was consistent in the front row. Um, Sophie de Goida, um, I hope I pronounced her right, she was phenomenal for Canada. Um, her mom and dad both played internationally for Canada. And um, she played, I think she played international. Oh, I'm going to say hockey. She's an all-round athlete, like, and she just was standout, to be honest, for Canada. Sansous, uh, she was Six Nations Player of the Year. She was, I think, France from lucky to loser. Um, now, they, they did great. Um, uh, Mamadou Fall, like, now when I say it's one person, you do not want to run that shit. Like, she, <laughs> like, there's very few players I'd say I wouldn't stand in front of, but that woman is an absolute... She'd hold her own in the men's game as well. So I swear to God, a specimen. <laughs> I'm like, you nearly, you know that? You're like, okay, I'm in good position. Wish me luck. I'm, hopefully I won't die here. Wow. So, um, yeah, probably without being unfair, and I said, I think Emily Scarrett is absolutely world-class, but probably is the only one I'd question there now, to, okay. if I'm honest, because sure. I thought she was quite... 
Yeah, fair enough. Great to see Abby Dow getting in there as well after the year she had her injury. Oh, her break, breaking her leg, leg yeah. and getting back and stuff. So Yeah, they got tried the year, I think, herself and Claudia McDonald and obviously mm-hmm. we had clean on the show, that's her partner. So I thought yeah. that was unbelievable try. Who runs it out from your exit? Because normally England kick and uh, they play together at Wasps. Um, I don't know what Abby's doing, but I know Claudia's gone to Exeter. So, uh, yeah, like England had some nice moments and rewarded probably for being their, their 30 test game winning streak, yeah. you know, with a lot of nominations and... Given the nod. Great year for women's rugby, in fairness. Um, so moving on to the Autumn Nations, the other games that were on, England New Zealand played in Twickenham. Um, with eight minutes to go, England were 25-6 down, thought the game was over, and they scored three tries in eight minutes to draw 25-all. Um, great little comeback. And then Marcus Smith kicks the ball out. Oh, I was watching <laughs> that game. Was that it was like, I mean, fair play to England. They came back with those three tries in eight minutes, and they had New Zealand on the ropes Two tr- was it two from Will Stewart and one from who got the third one was a Freddie, Freddie Stewart. Stewart Freddie Stewart got the third one bear in mind when he kicked it out they still at 14 men but that's what I'm saying they were at 14 New men Zealand you had them okay men. you're yeah. playing this is like you're not playing for points or anything this is you know it's a test match right it's an automation series outside of a World Cup I mean what an opportunity and what a way I, mean, I think it's just if I was an English fan looking at this I'd be worried because here's an opportunity against 14 men all backs who you have on the ropes, you've just scored three tries in eight minutes. Go for it. Even if you lose it, it's the autumn nations. Like if this happens at the World Cup, you're gonna kick it out and wait for extra time? No. No, you're not. Like, I mean, are you though? I mean, I don't know, maybe that's Eddie Jones's tactic and kind of go, maybe we have him in fitness or something and that's what they want. But I just was complete and utterly baffled. And I'm not trying to hate in English, not trying to hate on Marcus Smith, but in that cauldron of a test match, playing against New Zealand, you have him on the ropes. Go for it. Yeah, I feel like it wouldn't it wouldn't just been Marcus Smith's decision. I feel like no. Owen Farrell might have been like, yeah. right, get it off the pitch. One of the fours and be like, I'm goose, kick it off. Yeah. Something like that I'm presuming has happened. Why didn't they? Because they could, could have just played it out. They were going against 14 men. They had him on the ropes. 100%. Why not? They're, they're not playing for a World Cup either. Exactly. Like, you know? It's just a huge opportunity missed, I think. I personally, I would have played it, like obviously, but I think it was maybe an underlying like it's probably testament to a team that are probably lacking a bit of confidence like they had a strong team out and they didn't perform it was only until the replacements came on they were shocking for 70 minutes they (laughs) were shocking like you know you had Cowan Dickey on you had Genj you had Sinclair like uh, Toje like these were big name guys who you'd normally think perform and and would put it up to New Zealand so I think to me it was an England team worried about losing it which again these are what your autumn series are for you have to breaking your backside to get back in contention 14 men in New Zealand um, just play the ball what have yeah. you got to lose you w- I would I'd have more respect for them if they fought it out and New Zealand got a breakaway try and lost I'd be like yeah. ah they gave it a crack though like fair play yeah, exactly. and at the end of the day like, automation series is great but there's nothing on the line like. no. it's just t- playing a bit of I th- rugby I think like, England are in trouble I think like they've got huge problems at nine I mean Jack Van Portfleet was, was, was very was bad poor, yeah. really Man, bad three minutes in he passes the ball really to Papalini bad, but, like, and all they've got then is like, they've got yeah. Ben Youngs coming there as well who Ben Youngs is over the hill unfortunately like he hasn't played had a, a good game in England shirt in a long time very pivotal position um, I, I I'd worry for England. I really would. I think like, and I think Jones is kind of overstayed himself to a certain extent. I think he just kind of looks like he's out of ideas. Yeah, and he's actually rumored now to be signing a, a big contract after World Cup with USA. Are we going to have cash, the cash issue? money? Exactly, <laughs> which we saw at Munster when Johan van Graan announced it really early that he was leaving. Yeah. Do you know is that going to have a big impact on the if English that gets team? Announced officially. Has it been announced officially yet, or is it just rumors at the moment? I think it could be rumors, isn't well, it? Yeah. Okay. Herald to actually, to that good so if that comes out and becomes be like official, then 
This close to a World Cup, not good. Not good. What you're saying is Eddie Jones may be joining USA Rugby after World after Cup World for Cup. eight years. Is An eight-year contract, apparently. Eight-year contract. What? What age is he? Two big bags money, of money. Money, money, <laughs> money. Oh, my God. Eddie Jones, man. Stealing a living fella. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only messing with that. You heard it here Eddie. first. I know when you listen to the podcast, yeah, I Eddie. I didn't mean that, fella. Sorry, You've sorry. done great stuff for rugby. Um, but speaking of the English team, I do think they have unbelievable athletes, unbelievable players. You named a few of them there. Yeah. Toji, Kevin Duke. Kevin Dickey, all these guys, but they're just not being managed well, I don't no, think. No, and no. they have the potential. Now, they have a couple of months before the World Cup, obviously, have Six Nations before that. Get, get yourselves together, and they could really be in contention to compete for the World Cup because they have the players, but at the moment, they're a bit all over the place. But who have they unearthed? Like, we're talking about player death for Ireland, and like, are you, you going to. Not really. Like, the, the only thing I'll say about England, though, as I said, I am a bit worried for England like, at the moment, but I will say they're probably one of the few teams in the world given the depth that they have and the amount of players at their disposal, that they can get themselves together three or four weeks off from the World Cup and yeah. do well at the World Cup because, lads, the players they have, as you mentioned, are insane. Yeah. They have three or four top players in every position. So if he can get his tactics right and if he can get his team right and his squad right, which yeah. is, you know, TBC, well, yeah. if he can like they did at the last World Cup they weren't exactly yeah. humming coming into the last World Cup and got to the bloody final I definitely yeah. think watch this space when it comes to England there's still time to kind of pull it all together yeah. and there, there's chit chats there's a bit of murmurs that our very own Rog Ron O'Gara said he would Hello. be up for taking the English coaching role he's on a short list with Steve Bortwick and Scott Robertson don't Raj. do it, Raj. Don't Raj do it, Raj. If you're listening, Raj, don't do it, please. Don't do <laughs> what it. do we think of it? Begging you. Don't there do is it. an unwritten rule as an Irish person, and you know that, Raj. That is, do not take that job. Oh. Do not Especially take that job. Especially Raj. Like, Raj is a proud Irishman, and he always has been a proud Irishman. And I would just be, look, at, at the end of the day, in terms of a business and a career decision, it's a huge job. And that's exactly what he said. It's a big job. It is a huge job. It'd be so and good I for his career. If like. England had the opportunity to get someone on board like Ron Nogara, he is probably one of the best coaches in the world at the moment. And he's proved that oh, time absolutely. and time again. He's done it. He's, he's, he's been in, uh, done some international work with Ireland in the past. He's been in camps with Joe Smith. He's obviously won the European Cup in his, I don't know, was it his second full season? Was it a third full, second full season? Whatever with La Rochelle. Second, Went yeah. to win the European First as a head, first full season as a head coach, he did won a top fourteen coming in and got promoted from kicking coach to defence coach at Racing. He's done everything. He's done yeah. everything, and I think he'll be in contention. I personally think, and I'm not just saying it like as in please don't take Raj because we want him for Ireland. <laughs> um, if he goes to England, that just kind of makes that more difficult for us to get him eventually. But I do think Bortwick is the obvious choice there for them because he's working week in week out in the Premiership with Leicester. He's done an incredible job with them. He's mm. been an England coach before. I think for them it makes more sense to hire Bortwick and I hope to hire Bortwick because stay away from yeah. if we if we just yeah. if we just take England the name England out of the equation I'd be delighted from <laughs> fair play Raj take it's great for your career so I have I have a solution okay hit me Wales lost to Georgia at home so Wayne Pivak's precarious situation with his job in Wales he is absolutely yeah. Raj go work for Wales if you want I'd be okay yeah, with that one that's fine Wales or Scotland yeah, okay. Wales or Scotland it's fine I with that I thought you were going to say Georgia there no, for a second no, 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 I was like no. what I think, I think Raj is too big for the Wales job Oh well. Do you think it's a tactic though? He's kind of like you know, little like like love triangle here. He's kind of using the England job as a kind of like, you know, someone else wants me here. Well, like, Ireland, let's Munster. be realistic. Like he's not going to go to Munster, right? Like he's not going to go back because Please I think go to it, Munster, it, no. Though. But if you went back to Munster, you're put he put himself. He's boxed himself into a corner there. Of course, it's it's a very tough thing because if that doesn't go well for him, and 
as he as he said in the past, well, he doesn't want to go to go back to Munster as long as there's guys in the squad that he's played with or guys that he knows. That's fair enough. Which is hard. difficult. And yeah. with the Ireland job, I mean, like, I'm sorry, like, as good as O'Gara is, like, you ain't sacking Andy Farrell at the moment. You ain't sacking Andy Farrell for a long time. And he's just signed a contract extension. So even if O'Gara wanted the Ireland job now, it's not going to be available for a while. And Could you bring him in as part of the... Coaching I, I, team, or is I that don't a step think, down? I, I think that's a step. I think he is. He's, he's, a he's proven now. He's, he's a head coach. He? I do think it's. It is a matter of time, like, and it's not just wishful thinking. It does make sense. I mean, he's he's over in France now. He's got. I think he's got about fifteen children. I think. Bad, like that, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I think Will Skelton was saying that on, on the podcast last week, but like, he's got like five kids and stuff. Like, and he like, he is a very proud Irishman. He will end up back here at some stage when it makes sense for him and yeah. when it makes sense for the RFU to come back do you know what I'd say Roger's just having a bit of fun rough, ruffling some feathers like, that's what I think I think I mean? he's just playing a bit of he can do what he wants like bit of emotional you know chess yeah. we'll always love you though Rog whatever you except do except if you take the English no I'll still love you <laughs> fella. don't worry about that <laughs> <don't take. laughs> um, as we, we kind of touched on there Georgia beat Wales Go 13 on, points Georgia. to 12 in, at, in Wales's home turf in Principality Stadium obviously sad for Wales but unbelievable for rugby as a whole Georgia to come in and beat a top tier nation like that and I just think it's it, kind of touches on that Georgia's setup is really good their underage teams are really good 18s, 19s, 20s they always kind of dare thereabouts in the World Cup obviously they haven't really won any of them but it's coming through now and to beat Wales at home incredible isn't it? Yeah it's just lovely for the world of rugby to see that you know again we're not only depth and squad that the, the depth of competition is really you know we're seeing emerging nations like really coming to the fore now and it it just makes questions could we extend like the Six Nations could we extend, you know, and you're getting good quality test games against teams that are unknown. So your your prep is really key. Like so, yeah, congratulations, Georgia. But again, we have Wales, and <laughs> we're talking about Wales That's for all true. the wrong but reasons. If you, no, but if you look back on the the overall fixtures in the Autumn Nations, like there's probably you like, go back over the years, you never would have seen what you saw in one month. You yeah. saw Argentina beating England. You saw Australia beating Italy. Now you've seen Georgia beating Wales. This is what we've been clamouring for for years. Yep. We want to see these lower teams brought up so that we can... Um, I think personally, especially like we were already saying off air there, but the fact that we've got Tonga in our group in the World Cup next year alongside Scotland and South Africa. Tonga have got the likes of Fekitoa coming yeah. in from. They've got... Um, what's it, they've got Piatau coming in from. They have Israel Falau. I think it's probably going to be the most competitive World Cup in history. In fact, it is. I'm saying it now. It is going to be the most competitive rugby World Cup in history. And there is going to be some scalps. Yeah. Big scalps. Big, yeah. big scalps. There's no really more, there's no easy games anymore, really. Like no. now that when Ireland go play Italy in the Six Nations, that's not an easy game. No. It's not, it's not a walkover. But that's like, what we want because, yeah. like, I mean, as I said, you look back those over the years, God, I'm putting 60, 70 points past no, Italy. It's not a thing what is that for Ireland? Like, and you go, you throw your B team or whatever. What you want is competitive, high level test matches, week in, week out, so that you are battle hardened, battle ready, prepared for the Rugby World Cup and that's what's killed us in the past yeah. and so what it's, it's, it hurts a lot of teams yeah, we so. need it and it's, and it's brilliant for us and it's brilliant for the game we want this rugby as much as we like to because we're in the, the inner circle rugby is a niche and, is forever, and will forever be a niche unless we get level parity with the rest of the teams yeah. we want this game to become a global sport we said it at the yeah. top of the show fix the, the, the discipline side of things second of all let's get it more competitive we want this sport to be global. How many people, even despite everything that's going on, how many people are going to be tuning in to watch the World Cup in Qatar compared to what are going to people that watch rugby? 
and we want more eyes we want more butts and seats essentially yeah, <laughs> and think yeah. about the like world cups is that you know you get to cross over with just different nationalities and think now with the amount of probably nations that will travel that would have you know probably not bothered yeah. you know Way so low Absolutely. Sounds like fun. Listen, I, go. I think three of us will go. We'll bring the show I there. Well, it's supposed yeah. to be a hell of a place to go. Like, so, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, so that's what we want. It's, it's World Rugby is in a great place for sure. 100%. Yeah. And just some other games that happened over the weekend. Uh, Scotland beat um, Argentina. Argentina 52-29. Finn Russell was, yeah. was just on a different level. Like The, the Maverick. Man. He was cutting through like a hot knife through butter. I saw a great one on that actually just quickly was uh, he was his first child was, was, was being born and he literally just met it like literally onto a plane after the match to get to go get his missus and get into the, the maternity ward after like playing an absolute stormer and like knowing that in the back of your mind kind of going I might miss the birth of my child and he still came out was the absolute boss and <laughs> thankfully good news story he made it why do you have a little burger I'm not sure if he was a little boy I'm not sure I okay, just kind of read it congratulations yeah, yeah, congratulations yeah. Finn and his missus Emma uh, that's a massive great day for them after that was Italy had a great game against Springboks, the world champions. They held them for 30 minutes. They were actually leading 30, after 30 minutes, like yeah. 13 points to 10. Yeah. And then Springboks brought on all their boys. Yeah. The scoreline didn't reflect that game. If you, no. wa- if you watch the full game, like they were like, it was a good first half. It was close. They just kind of like, they scored a couple of tries and then just fell apart. And yeah, I think they did. If you look at it, like you'll think, oh, South Africa absolutely steamrolled them. They didn't. They beat them. They beat them well. They bullied them at yeah. times and they really well, they, the they, they weren't poor. Like they, they no, played, some they of did Italy's well. offloading yeah. Um, yeah. was unbelievable. And I think yeah. that's the evolution of Italian rugby. They're not now just, you know, basically bringing it to Rook. They're actually trying to keep the ball moving. Yes. Um, and that makes the game a whole lot different. So, um, 100%, yeah. yeah. Well, holding the world champions or, or even beating them after 30 minutes is, is brilliant. And then mm. obviously, hopefully now with time, they'll be able to hold it on a bit longer. Like, do you know what I mean? Italy, but well done, guys. Uh, Arense had four tries in that game. and But a bigger kind of moment after it was Bruno proposed to his missus on the pitch. Oh, yeah, I <laughs> yeah. saw that. Sorry. I was cringing in a way. I was like, I'm, I'm delighted I'm not her. <laughs> I know. <laughs> she seemed to love it and she said yes. So, she said oh. yes. Congratulations, you know I mean? Bruno. I think he's a local man. It was on in Genoa, I believe, was it? Genoa, yeah. Genoa. And uh, he proposed and she said yes. So The romantic Italians. Romantic Italians, yeah. Oh. Congratulations. Congratulations, lads. Um, France beat Japan then 35-17. Japan put up a good fight, but France were just too good. It was a wet day over there. Yeah. yeah. Terrible yeah. conditions. A bit like this miserable Monday morning. Yeah, exactly. It's France unbeaten now for the first time. Is it Pat, your same first time ever they've gone in a calendar year unbeaten? Yeah, yeah. We said it ready to be. Fantastic. Yeah, good stuff, France. And then finally, a huge congrats to Portugal for reaching the World Cup. So they're going to be playing over in France next year in the World Cup. They drew at USA 16 all, I think. And that was enough to give them that final spot. Great stuff. Good that's, stuff for that's Portugal. Another again, look, we want to see these emerging nations into yeah. the World Cup, don't we? Yeah. And everyone's feel good. There's obviously clips on Twitter. Go and see them because there's just like Portuguese fans and players absolutely losing their life and crying, and it does bring a tear to a glass eye. So congratulations, Portugal. So I, I remember seeing them in the World Cup a good few years back. It might have been 2011, the last time they were in it, and they got beaten by a hundred and something points to seven against the All Blacks. Stop. But they scored a try at the end and they celebrated like they won the World Cup. <laughs> they were so happy to score a try against the All Blacks. And I like seeing that. Like, it's They're good a lovely to see. nation, actually. They're lovely people, uh, the Portuguese. If they so. get good lads, it means away trips to Portugal, even better. Yeah. You know, Lisbon, That's all grand. day long. Put that on the list, yeah, Pat. There we go. Let's get these emerging nations. <laughs> Hot countries only, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, congrats. Congrats, Portugal. And to kind of wrap up this uh, episode, we need to give our never stop competing uh, moment away uh, together with Bank of Ireland. And we're giving it to our very own Ross Byrne, who came on 
cool as cucumber, slotted that kick, didn't seem like it phased him. No. Um, but good to see him coming back into the Irish jersey after so long, kind of being out of favour. He just kept plugging away and he's where he's supposed to be. I just shout out to you, Ross, well done, fella. You get a never stop competing moment of the week Boom. together at Bank of Ireland. Um, and other than that, guys, that's us for the week, I think. Pleasure as always. I love starting my week off with you two, lads. Fantastic, yeah. you too. Thanks, Lindsay. Thanks, Jason. And thanks, of course, to Bank of Ireland. Proud supporters of the four Irish provinces. We'll catch you next week, guys. Joe presents House of Rugby, together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces.